0: Let's pray together, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of being here in the house of the Lord today and that the Lord Jesus is the cornerstone upon which our faith and our future depend. We pray that somebody here or by radio who has never found Jesus as cornerstone never placed his weight and trust upon Christ might do it today may the Holy Spirit do his work in Jesus name Amen the Lord Jesus is called the Lord of glory it is a wonderful wonderful thing to look forward to Jesus preparing a place for us on the night before Calvary the Lord gathered his best friends together and told them about his decease at Jerusalem for the sins of the world. Their hearts were broken. And there were tears. And then Jesus began to say, let not your heart be, be troubled. You believe in God, so also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And for 2,000 years, the Lord has been preparing a wonderful place for those who are his own and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I stood at the funeral home yesterday with Brother R.B. Hooks, Jr. and looked on the face of his daddy who was a powerful preacher. And I said, Brother R.B., I've known them since I was in high school. I said, Brother R.B., daddy's not dead. He's with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and you know there are people that can trust the Lord for eternity they can trust God for heaven they can trust God even for death they can even trust God for the valley of the shadow and yet some of the same people have a tough time trusting God for life but the Bible has said God gives his beloved faith and strength for life itself, in Philippians 4 19, the Lord Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah, will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, God is not concerned in our salvation just with the hereafter, though that's important, exceedingly important, all important. But, God is also concerned about the nasty now and now and how we respond to the challenges of life and what come to us. I've known people who were better able to deal with eternity than they were with life itself. And I want to tell you, God doesn't want us to go through life filled with anxiety and fear and concern over money and finances, and twiddling our thumbs, and walking the floor, and pulling our hair, and going to counselors because we're worried and fretful and upset, afraid and scared to death that God cannot take care of us. Why, the same God who has gone to prepare a place for us in Jesus Christ has said, I'll be with you through life, and I'll guide you with mine eye. And I'll take care of every need of yours according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In the book of Romans, we see over and over again the blessings of God upon his people the blessings of grace, the blessings of plenty, the blessings of multiplied grace. And the question comes can God do more? And over and over again in the book of Romans, the answer is yes. And far more, and he heaps word on top of word and description on top of description to say, My God will take care of you. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and the called according to his purpose. I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is impossible to take an inventory of the riches of God in Christ Jesus that he has promised to those who trust him and love him. I want to talk to you a little while this morning from the book of Ezra. Some people call it Ezra. Turn over there in your Bible to Ezra if you will please. And let's think for a moment about Ezra. The people of God had sinned and God always punishes sin. And they had gone into captivity. The people of the Lord were in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Now there had been great preachers like Jeremiah and Isaiah who had preached the word to Israel. And many of those who went over into Babylonian captivity went over with those words of God lodged in their heart. Among them was Daniel. And Daniel down in Babylon became a prince in the court. And there came a time according to God's prophecy when Nebuchadnezzar would pass away and Belshazzar would pass away And God raised up a Persian king named Cyrus. And Cyrus came and marched against Babylon. And the great Babylon that had overtaken Israel fell. You cannot mistreat God's people and succeed. And Babylon mistreated God's people. And they were in captivity. And when a people go into captivity, it's a terrible thing. The death of a nation may be described in beautiful terms, but it's a terrible, terrible tragedy when it occurs. The people go into, into slavery, into poverty, and all the things they have as their own are taken away from. And so it was with the people of God down in Israel, down in Babylon. And then God put it upon the heart of Cyrus after, I think, Daniel had acquainted Cyrus with the prophecies of the the Lord and of Isaiah and Jeremiah and and God put it upon Cyrus to let the Jews go back to Palestine. If you look in Ezra chapter 1 verse 1 now in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia so that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus king of Persia that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it into writing saying, thus saith Cyrus king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem which is in Judah. Isn't that strange for a pagan king to say that? Why would Cyrus say that? Because God had put it in his heart to do it. And so Cyrus gave an invitation, you might say, to anybody who was interested in going back to the land of Palestine back to Jerusalem to build the temple and as we read along in the scripture uh, turn in your Bible to Ezra chapter 4 I rather I'm sorry Ezra chapter 2 verse 68 now I want you to notice that Cyrus made an edict And he gave the money for the rebuilding of the temple. And look in verse 68, chapter 2. And some, underscore that, some of the heads of the fathers' houses, when they came to the house of the Lord, which is Jerusalem, offered freely for the house of God to set it up in its place. Now, if you read earlier in chapters 1 and 2, we do not have time to read all of that, but there's a long chronological list given there. And you list, and there is listed those who went back to Jerusalem. You'd think when Cyrus the king made that edict that everybody would get up and say, we'll go and help build the temple. But they didn't. Israel was divided into two groups. One group said, we'll go and we'll give and we'll sacrifice and we'll do everything on earth possible to get that temple built again that Nebuchadnezzar had torn down and burned. But the other group, the people of God, Israel, they also had been taken to captivity in Babylon. The other group said, no, we'll not go because we know that there will be great sacrifice demanded and we'd rather stay here in this foreign land. We'd rather sit here with our harps hung on willow trees We'd rather be here and have what we have than to go there and sacrifice and give to try to build that temple again. And so Israel was divided into two groups. Many went back. There were some who did not go back. And those who did not go back were identifying themselves as those who were not willing to pay the price. Now you know there's a price to be paid for everything. God forbid that I should give unto the Lord that which cost me nothing. Some people have said that when you get to talking about the pocketbook, that it's awful sensitive. Well, you know pocketbooks are not sensitive. Here's my pocketbook it's right there it's made up of genuine genuine plastic and it doesn't feel a thing it's just sitting there but I'll tell you what is sensitive the the man that owns that pocketbook it's the heart that's sensitive it's the person that's sensitive and when somebody starts talking about sacrifice and giving our hearts go up. Dr. Lee's tell the story back in South Carolina when he challenged the people to pay off the debt in one day. He said, as long as he would talk about the grace of God, there was an old judge, used to be governor of South Carolina there. And the judge was there. As long as he would talk about grace, uh, that judge would sit there calm and his stick in his hand, his cane in his hand, everything would be all right. And the moment he started about started talking about the tithe as the Lord, that that Lord's, that man's cane began to wobble. And then he'd talk about how good God is to us. And the Cain would just sit there. And then when he'd talk about how we ought to sacrifice to give, that Cain would go like that. You see, people's hearts are sensitive. That wallet isn't sensitive at all. There were two groups. That group, you know, there's no, there are no such things as fence straddlers. I, I sometimes talk about people who try to straddle the fence and compromise and so on but really there aren't any fence straddlers uh, people are on one side or the other I heard about that man that lived in Arkansas or Missouri I've forgotten where that was in Arkansas or Missouri well by the fact he lived in both places and uh, he owned this house and owned this farm and the Missouri people would try to tax him and when he did he would declare his citizenship in Arkansas And then the Arkansas people would try to tax him, and he would declare his citizenship in Missouri. And so they tried and tried for years, and he would always declare his citizenship in the other state, and he avoided taxes in both states. And so finally the two states got together, and they decided that the man would have to pay taxes in the state where he slept. (laughs) Now the house was right on the state line, and so they came in there by night one night, And just sort of privately came into his house and you've already guessed it they found that his bed was right on the state line you see he was trying to be on one side or the other and finally he's just right in the middle well people in general can't do that they've got to be on one side or the other and this group in Ezra's day said we're gonna stay in Persia or old Babylon and we're not going to go down there and sacrifice our homes and what we have and try to build that temple again y'all go and do it and so they went down there to do it now both groups showed the condition of their heart the symptom was simply those who would give and those who would not give And it showed the problem of the heart you see both were the people of God one people of God said we're gonna stay in Persia we're gonna just sit down here and we're gonna stay because we've got it pretty good like it is let's not rock the boat let's not move anything and the other group said God has given us a vision we must go and rebuild that temple no matter the sacrifice. And so they got up and went. And God helped them to rebuild the temple. They gave sacrificially. They gave proportionately. Somebody has said there's one thing two Baptists cannot agree on. And that is what a third Baptist ought to give. never have been able to agree on, never will be able to agree, agree on that because the giving must not be equal it must be not equal gift but equal sacrifice that's what God wants us to do most people have to sacrifice some time in life for something or another but do you know that not many people when you take it proportionately not many people will have the honor and opportunity to sacrifice to build something for God. Not many people. And those that have the opportunity, not many people will do it. But I'm persuaded better things of God's people at Glendale. We are recipients of a great heritage. We are in the train. Of people who have given and given and given. Did you know this church celebrates 31 years in the city of Bowling Green this summer? How many in this auditorium are 30 years of age and under? Lift your hands. Just look at that. 30 years of age and over here. 30 years of it. Kids, juniors. Are you over 30? 30 years of age and lift your hands. Lift your hands. Put them 30 years of age. And... See that's that's a large group in this church Did you know that you weren't even alive When God put it in the hearts of people To build this church And start this work You weren't even alive And so we're recipients of a great heritage The heritage of those who have gone before us Who have given and Placed their shoulder to the wheel And put their heart in the work And we have the opportunity now to catch up with them a little bit and say hey everybody back there 30 years ago we're living in 1986 and we're want to keep faith with you those of you who started in a little house those of you who built that lean-to those of you who came over and made out of this drainage ditch a beautiful campus for the first part of this church those of you who sacrificed and poured your faith and your love into building this work and to touching lives all across the world, we're going to keep faith with you. We're going to enter into a spirit of sacrifice too. And we're going to do what those people in Ezra's day did. We're going to go and rebuild the work and go forward In 14 years, we will reach the year 2000. I noticed the other day that the city government has called for a new census in the city this fall to try to see if there are 50,000 people in Bowling Green and if there are 100,000 in Warren County. If so, we're ahead of schedule. It was predicted that by 1995, there would be 100,000 people in Warren County. By the year 2000, there would be over 125,000 in Warren County. The city is growing. The county is growing. I visited a man yesterday afternoon, and I invited him to church. He lived out in the edge of the city. He said, well, I, I've been there once a long time ago, but he said, I never can figure out how to get there. He said, I go down this street. And then I turn away, and he said, I tried to get there the other day, and he said, I ended up going to another church because I never could find it. Now, those who come every Sunday to this church don't understand that. We know to zip here and zip there and go in here. The first day I ever came to this church, I spent the night in Herb Cobb's home, and the next morning I came, I wanted to be here early, and I got lost trying to find it couldn't find it It took me I wandered around over here all. we've tried to put up signs we need some more signs and I hope somebody will get it on his heart to say by the grace of God we're gonna put up signs this month get some signs up so people know how to get here but the point is our city has changed and it's grown and grown and budgeted and out out i 65 and spilling over that way out beyond And it won't be too many years until Bowling Green and Alberton will be one. And what do we do? We're just fenced in and hedged in. And the vision that God has given us to enlarge and grow and get to the job and task of building a work that will bless the city. What will we do with it? Well. I want you to turn to Ezra chapter four, verse two, and look at this a moment. Then they came to Zerubbabel, the heads of the fathers, and said to them, "Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do, and we do sacrifice with him since the days of Haddon king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Joshua." And the rest of the heads of the fathers of Israel said to them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build a house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord. They said it's our responsibility. It isn't your responsibility, it is ours. And they said we're going to build the house because it is our responsibility. And my beloved friends at Glendale Baptist Church we have a glorious opportunity to go forward for God and it's our responsibility to do it. It's not somebody else's. It's our honor, our responsibility. Remember the two groups? Some said, no, we'll sit over here and we'll just sit down and we'll enjoy what we've got. And the others said, no, we must go and build unto God the house of the Lord. And they went over there. And they started doing it and somebody came along and said well look you move over and let us do it and they said no it is our responsibility men and ladies today those who have spiritual character those who have something in them that gives them spiritual spunk and spizzle and power are going to say this isn't somebody else's job it's mine and I'm going to get involved in it. And by the grace of God, we'll give and we'll take care. There are some miracles that will have to be accomplished. I think one of those miracles is the receipts of this church must equal the budget of this church. It's so important that the receipts of this church equal the budget that we have set for its accomplishment and many times we do that sometimes we do not do that and I want to just lay on our hearts the importance of standing by the stuff and keeping the regular gifts and offerings and ties to the Lord's work steady and growing you see the tithe is demanded by the Lord the offering is deserved by the Lord the tithe is demanded by the Lord the offering is deserved by the Lord and I want to lay on our hearts that if we are to go forward there must be the miracle of concern in the lives of God's people that would say I'm going to put my tithe on the altar for Christ Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and I'm not going to take some of that tithe and offer it in partners in progress as a sacrificial offering because it isn't a sacrificial offering the tithe belongs to God the partners in progress sacrificial gift is a gift over and above the tithe and it'll take a miracle laying on the hearts of all God's people here to say by the grace of God I'm going to do that and then secondly the second miracle we're going to have to, during the next week and two weeks, commit to Jesus a minimum of $175,000 over and above our tithes. You say, preacher, that's some going. Yes. But it's nothing compared to what God has done for us. And when we think of what God has done for us, you say, how can that be done? Well, I've heard people come here to this tele- platform and testify for some of the ways it's going to be done. One person told us that they'd planned to remodel their house the next three years and uh, they're going to put that aside and give that money in this special gift of God. Another person told how just by faith They were going to make a special sacrificial faith offering to the Lord and ask God to show where it's going to come from and 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 they said you know I began to figure and I found out before I I put the thing on my commitment card where it was going to come from so I had to change it and make a bigger sacrificial offering to God (laughs) what shall I give thee master thou who hast given all to me, not just a half or part of my staff but I must give all to thee well we're going to have a great opportunity this week to make an offering to the Lord like they did in Ezra's day and they're going to say it's our responsibility but how are they going to do it look in chapter 7 verse 16 and all the silver and gold that thou canst find in all the provinces of Babylon with the free will offering of the people and the priests offered willingly for the house of their God, which is in Jerusalem. A free will offering. A free will offering to Jesus. Just because we love you, Lord, I want to give because I love you. That's what God wants. And you know when we give that way, God blesses. God blesses. Just out of the liberty of our heart. Let me repeat again. The tithe is demanded by the Lord, but the offering is deserved by the Lord. And I think God may be just sitting back waiting and watching the Glendale Baptist Church. And he's saying, I want to find out if you walk your talk. You've talked about wanting to do great things for God. You've talked about how, oh, how I love Jesus. You've ta- some have even said, well, I believe in giving but not borrowing. And you've talked about that. that God's going to say, I, I just want to sit back and, and see. What are you going to do? Junior boys and girls, what are you going to do? You're going to say that for the young. That you. you have something in your hand, you give it to God. He doesn't expect something you don't have. I heard about a boy, a junior boy, didn't have much to give. But he said, I'm going to ask God to help me get a job so I can give to God for this special program. And you know what he did? He borrowed the money to buy a lawnmower. And he went out and got jobs mowing lawns and little by little he paid for the lawnmower but he didn't pay it all at one time he took some each week and gave it to God and then everything over and above what he paid for that lawnmower he gave to God for the church's building program you say boy he must be something yeah he loved God so that's. The what we're doing is a test of love. Do we love the Lord? Do we love His church? How much do we really love Him? The third miracle, must we, we must go forward in faith. If we're going to do anything for God, we must do it by faith. And God will bless it as we go by faith. You see, they gave a free will offering over and above the tithe. They gave a free will offering to Jesus. And God blessed that. And if you look in chapter, Ezra chapter 7, verse 27, Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, who hath put such a thing as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. They were thankful. They had a great Thanksgiving celebration when there was victory. How does God work a miracle? You ever thought of that? How does God do a miracle? Some of our people have had open-heart surgery. On some occasions, I've had the privilege of standing with them, with the family, just before the surgery and maybe during the surgery and after. We prayed for God to work a miracle, bring healing. How would God do it? Why, he gave great expertise to those physicians and surgeons who trained and trained and trained and trained and trained until they delicately could take the heart out and hold that heart in the hand and hook that body to a heart machine and then repair the valves and then replace that heart in the body and put Shocked to it to get the heart to beating again. We say, Lord, thank you for the miracle. And indeed, it is a miracle. The fact that Charlie Wilson is alive is a miracle. But you see, God used people in that miracle. When God wanted the children of Israel to cross the Red Sea, he used Moses. When God wanted the walls of Jericho to fall down, He used Joshua and the people of Joshua's day. And when God wants the work of God to grow and glow and go in the city and to see Glendale Baptist Church be a blessing to the city and the county and the the regions beyond, He's going to use people who are willing to put their all on the altar and say, God, use me. God, use me. let's pray every head bowed every eye closed for just a moment I'd like for us to stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed every head bowed every eye closed the invitation will be in just a moment but I want to ask you right now to do something everybody here don't leave nobody move around please listen With our heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do about this? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? About a sacrificial commitment, a sacrificial pledge, a sacrificial offering? So that souls can get saved and the work of God grow and the name of the Lord be blessed. And when the people hear about it, they'll bless the name of God. And they'll be able to say, those people at Glendale Baptist Church, love God. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And there could be somebody here today or under the sound of my voice who has never yielded your heart to Jesus. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do about Jesus, about receiving Him, about coming to know Him, about obeying Him in baptism? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? We're going to sing that in a moment. Lord place upon our hearts today what you'd have us do what you'd have us do in the next few days as we make our commitments what you'd have us do about coming to the banquet and the children's party tomorrow what you'd have us do about serving thee and Lord somebody here who is not saved May that question be answered as a young boy, a young girl, a man, a woman, a teenager walks down this aisle and says, Lord, here's my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? The invitation is open as God speaks to our hearts. Will you let him have his way with you today? God, help you to do it. Lord, what wilt thou have me If you're lost, come to Jesus. If you've been saved but have not been baptized, come to Jesus. Come and take a stand for Him. If you're a member of another church and God wants you at Glendale, come now. Do what God tells you to do while we sing.